Welcome to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast, where you get help and guidance through the chaos of parenting a child with anxiety or OCD. This show is for educational purposes and is not intended to replace the guidance of a qualified professional. Here's your host, child therapist, Natasha Daniels. Well, hello there, and welcome to another episode of the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. Today, I'm going to get into a form of OCD that a lot of parents don't know about, but if you're raising a child with OCD, and I say this all the time, you really need to be an expert in any way that the OCD is going to present itself because OCD is whack-a-mole. And if you've been raising a child with OCD for a while, you know this, and it will change and manifest in different ways at different times. And it's good to know these different types of themes because then you're going to spot them early. And the earlier we can spot different OCD themes that are popping up with our kids, the more proactive we can be at attacking it and giving them the skills and doing exposures to pull out that weed. I use the weed analogy a lot. We want to check our backyard and we want to pull out those weeds. And I see all too often parents staying in their lane and saying, you know, my child only has this theme. They only have just right or they only have moral OCD. And even those parents are super educated to even know that language, but they don't wanna know about anything else. They wanna take my OCD online class, but they only wanna know if it will talk about moral OCD, or they only wanna know if it'll talk about just right OCD. They get stuck in a box. And my hope for you is that you don't get stuck in a box because you have to know all the different flavors that OCD has at its disposal so that you have good eyes and you educate your child as things pop up and it doesn't sneak in because it can and it will. And that's the purpose of today's episode. I'm bringing to you another theme. I've actually seen this pop up a lot in my practice lately and I've seen it pop up a lot in my online community, the AT Parenting community. And sometimes it's just weird, like things come in phases where like I just get a lot of one thing. (laughs) And sometimes I'm like, I think that I probably should do a podcast on this because it's coming up everywhere. Facebook groups, they're asking me questions about emotional contamination. In my private practice, I'm dealing with a lot of kids who have emotional contamination. I'm like, oh my gosh. So that is what kind of spurred on this episode. And I think it's a good one because it's a very painful thing that happens when kids have emotional contamination especially when it's targeting family members. So today I want to go into what it is, how it shows up. I'm going to talk about the most common ways that it shows up, although there's always exceptions. OCD can be creative, so I'm not going to be able to ever cover anything in its complete entirety because it's literally impossible to do. But even if your child does not have emotional contamination that you think of, and even if, as I describe it, you're like, nope, check that box off, we're good. I encourage you to sit and listen to this quick episode because I can't tell you how many parents I've worked with where they've taken my OCD online class and they've really become very skilled at knowing all the major different ways that OCD can pop up and they've caught it early. And I've been so impressed with those parents who catch it early. They instantly know it's an OCD issue. They instantly can identify it and they didn't think it was going to be on their radar. They didn't think it was something that they needed to know about. So stick around and grow your vocabulary, grow your knowledge. That's going to help you. I guarantee it. 
Okay, before we get started, just some broad mentions of what's going on in the AT Parenting Survival world. If you haven't taken Alicia Grogan's Picky Eating Workshop, you can still catch it. You only have a day or two left. So if you have a picky eater at home and you've been hearing me talk about her free workshop, this is the last time I'm going to talk about it because it's shutting down. She's awesome. And you can check that out by going to bit.ly slash picky eating help. That's bit.ly B-I-T dot L-Y slash picky eating help. And you can sign up and then you can catch up and watch her video series. They are phenomenal. And she's also opening up her main eating program called Mealtime Works. And so if you want some really good step-by-step help, you can check that out as well. As always, don't forget to hit subscribe so that you don't miss one of my episodes. I spend a lot of time trying to educate and teach parents. And a lot of times I get the feedback that when they do get help or when they are seeing a therapist, the therapist is like, wow, how do you know all this stuff? You're really educated. And it's because they just listen to my podcast. So I'm telling you things that I tell the parents in my practice. And so you're going to be like super knowledgeable if you listen to what I have to say, because it's what I'm telling people in my practice. So hit subscribe. Don't miss an episode. They come out every Tuesday. Okay. Let's dive deep in to emotional contamination. So I just want to start with kind of a broad definition of what it is. And the caveat to this is OCD can morph and look different. So I'm going to describe it, but that may not be exactly how it will show up for your kids, or it may not be exactly how it is showing up for your kids. But emotional contamination, a lot of times we think of contamination with OCD and we think of germs, that if something is contaminated, it means that it's germy or it's disgusting, it's going to get them sick. That's like the rudimentary understanding of OCD. And that's such a basic, basic understanding. And it's a very limited understanding because anything can be contaminated and it can be contaminated for any reason. So that's really important to understand. Anything can be contaminated, whether it is things or people, and it can be contaminated for any reason. And so it doesn't matter what kind of themes your child has, things can get contaminated. People can get contaminated through those themes. So one thing I would like to warn you about is people get into these labels. And so people will say, my daughter has contamination OCD. And now they're in this box and they can't get out of it. Or, oh, my child has emotional contamination OCD. I didn't know they have that. That's their disorder. And I want to make it clear that OCD is OCD. And I say this a lot. Maybe if you've listened to my podcast, have heard me say this, but OCD is like ice cream. (laughs) It's my favorite analogy lately. I have a lot of, I go on like analogy binges, and this is my newest one that OCD is ice cream. Ice cream is ice cream, right? But we have different flavors. And so just because I have some vanilla and I have some chocolate doesn't mean I have a million different desserts. I still have ice cream, but they're going to look different. They're going to taste different. But at the end of the day, it all melts. It all freezes. It's all ice cream. Same thing with OCD. So don't get stuck on labeling your child as having moral OCD or contamination OCD or, oh, now I know they have emotional contamination OCD. These are all subtypes. They're just different ways that OCD wants to pop up. So I just want to say that. So then we have to say, what's emotional contamination OCD and how does it impact kids? So often it shows up where a place or more often a person is contaminated and they're contaminated for lots of different reasons. But the end result is a child who doesn't want to be near that person. And I'm going to talk about people and not as much about places because 
I feel like that's where all the damage is and that's where people get confused and it gets misinterpreted as maybe a relationship issue or something else when a lot of times if they have a history of OCD, it's emotional contamination. So it can happen to places and we'll talk about that briefly as I go, but we're going to mainly talk about how it impacts people. OCD will glum on to something and and put it on that person. Now that person is contaminated. And because they're contaminated, often the end result is I can't be near that person or I can't touch things that that person has touched or I can't do anything that reminds me of that person or in extreme cases, I can't say that person's name or even in more extreme cases, I can't even use the first letter of that person's name. So if their name is Robert, now I have a hard time with my R's it can get pretty extreme and then it can catch on like wildfire. So if that person has touched, you know, my remote, now my remote is contaminated. Or if that person really likes to hang out in the living room, well, now the living room is contaminated or maybe they sit on the couch. Well, now the couch is contaminated. So it can also spread from people to objects and objects to people. So sometimes it starts off with an object. That object is contaminated for whatever reason. It's not always germs. It could be it's contaminated because when I was holding it, I had a bad thought. Now that object is contaminated. Well, then, you know, maybe my dad picked up that object and he spent some time on that object. Well, now my OCD says he is contaminated. So there's a million different ways people can get contaminated. I'm going to go over a couple of the most common ones. So family members who get contaminated, that's the hardest because it really impacts every aspect of that family's life because now anything that family member touches, depending on the severity of the OCD, is contaminated. A lot of times these kids have to have separate dishes. They're spending a lot of time in their room. And it's only natural and understandable that the parent takes it personally. So it takes a lot of work therapeutically to help that parent realize that it's not anything they did because it's hard to not take that personally when your child won't hug you or says, ew, get away. And even if you intellectually understand it's their OCD, that's still a very hard thing to stomach as a parent. And it can be really difficult when it's a sibling as well, because the sibling can't touch any of their stuff. The sibling can't breathe near them. And another child isn't going to understand why that's happening to their brother or sister and how it's not a personal attack on them. So super hard when it's identified as a family member. Now, I'm gonna go into some reasons why this happens, and some of them might seem familiar to you if this is what's going on at your house, and others, you know, just file this in the back of your head. You can have contamination of character. This often happens when kids have moral OCD, also known as scrupulosity OCD, and this is when kids, and I'm gonna make this very simplistic, but I do have podcast episodes on moral OCD if you wanna dive deeper on that, but, You can just go to my website at atparentingsurvival.com and there's a search button at the very bottom. Just type in moral and all my moral OCD stuff will pop up. That's always the best way to find the stuff that I'm doing. In moral OCD, in a simplistic way, they're concerned about being a bad person or being something that's not aligned with who they are. So if they are worried about that, sometimes people will become contaminated. If I see someone drinking, then they're contaminated because they're doing something that my moral OCD says is wrong. And when I see you drinking, now I am going to be a drinker. And so they jump from, if I see someone who's drinking, now I might be that. And so it's that irrational jump. Oh, I see someone smoking and I touch them or I touch something they touched or I walk near them. Now I might be a smoker. 
And so that's just an example. It could be other things as well, but normally if it has to do with their moral OCD, there are themes that kids have with moral OCD and it will be in that theme. So I have kids who are afraid of punk people because they're OCD and it doesn't have to be their belief. And you know, there's a lot of kids with moral OCD who have issues around sexual orientation and they're not homophobic. It's OCD. OCD doesn't care about your thoughts. OCD is going to just say, oh, well, maybe you're gay. And so seeing someone who reminds them of that, they can turn contaminated. So that's contamination of character. Contamination, I'm going to just run through these. So contamination of physical appearance. And again, a lot of times these kids already have these themes. These themes are there and then it gets transferred over to a person. So that's normally how it evolves. So if I'm really worried about weight, I don't want to catch being overweight. So if I see someone who's overweight or if I touch them or I see them, it depends on the severity of the OCD, then I am going to become overweight as well. So you can kind of get the idea, the gist of how emotional contamination happens. If I see someone who is disgusting, now you can have the nicest kid and they would never say that person's disgusting, but disgust is a very common OCD theme. A lot of times we think OCD has to have a fear, and this is a whole podcast in and of itself, but sometimes the fear is disgust. It's not a fear, it's a feeling. And the feeling is, what if I feel disgusted forever? Or what if I feel so disgusted that I can't get rid of it? And so things can trigger their disgust. If they have misophonia, which has to do with noise and mouth noises and chewing and things like that, if they already have that, which is a comorbid condition for OCD often, then seeing people eat and seeing them with their mouth open can make them feel disgusting. So if somebody is a really messy eater, they can become an emotional contamination target. Or if someone looks atypical, so... I've worked with a lot of kids where if somebody has a deformity or an abnormality, they're not being cruel because we don't control what our OCD wants to target, but that becomes distressful and they feel disgust. And so when they feel disgust, they want to avoid it. And so that person can become emotionally contaminated. Okay, moving along from here. So contamination can happen in places as well. So if I have a bad thought, when I was sitting on a couch, that spot on the couch might become contaminated. And then if a person sits there, they might become contaminated. So you can see where it can catch like wildfire. So some of the most common compulsions around emotional contamination, and I'm really just summarizing, it can be so many different things, but I just want to give you an idea and a flavor of how this stuff pops up. So a lot of times it's just avoidance. And avoidance is a huge compulsion. I actually did a kid's YouTube video recently on how avoidance is a compulsion. And I also did one on how reassurance is a compulsion. Because a lot of times we get pushback from our kids that these type of things are not related to their OCD or they're definitely not an OCD compulsion. So I've been making kid YouTube videos on these things for kids and teens so that we can say, hey, let's watch this YouTube video. Oh, it looks like actually... You know, that reassurance is a compulsion. (laughs) So if you want to check that out, you can always go to my YouTube channel at youtube.com slash anxious toddler 78. It's not for toddlers. It just has that in its name. So definitely avoiding, avoiding people who are deemed their emotional contamination target and or a lot of times it goes further than that. And so it might be not being able to touch their stuff. This is still avoidance. 
a lot of times kids will hold their breath. And so if they're near the person that is deemed contaminated, they have to hold their breath or, or, and, or they have to clear their lungs. And so I see this with a lot of the kids I work with, they have to like blow out their nose or I have kids who have to like blow out air so that their lungs kind of burn so that they're like cleaning their lungs. So those are compulsions that people do when they have been around someone who's emotionally contaminated. Also, they might have to change their clothes. If the person touches their clothes, they might have to throw away their food. Basically, just like anything else that's contaminated and the rituals and compulsions that you can think of that would go with that, go with emotional contamination as well. So it can, it can really run the gamut. So how do you treat this? What do you do with emotional contamination? And it's funny because I get this question a lot in my online community. Every week I say, hey, what do you guys want me to talk about? So I do weekly classes in my AT parenting community and I pull the group and I say, what do you guys want me to talk about each week? Because I want it to be relevant. And it's funny because a lot of times they'll say things like, like, how do we deal with intrusive thoughts or how do we deal with moral OCD? I can see a lot of times people have asked, how do we deal with emotional contamination? People don't know that word as much as they know the other things, but I will often get that question. And really the answer is the same for all of that. So even though we have a million flavors in our OCD Baskin Robbins, the end result is we're going to eat it the same way. I don't know if that analogy works that far. (laughs) I don't really want to eat OCD, but we're going to treat it the same way. And so we're going to always go back to ERP, which is exposure with response prevention. And that is the gold standard. That's the evidence-based approach for OCD that should be incorporated in all childhood OCD treatment. If you're not getting ERP with the therapist that you're with, that's important. That's a big problem because you really can't treat OCD without the ERP component or without a therapist who is at least moving in that direction. It's key. And don't get caught up on how do I treat just right OCD or how do I treat my symmetry OCD or how do I treat my child's contamination OCD. These names and subtypes are helpful in that they help categorize what we're struggling with. They help categorize the essence of what your child is doing in this moment. So if you said to me, hey, my child has moral OCD, now I have a really good idea of probably most of their intrusive thoughts or what kind of flavor they'll be and probably a little bit of what their compulsions might look like. But the only thing that helps with that is how I'm going to talk to your child and what kind of exposures we're going to do. So this episode is not about ERP. I do have tons of episodes on ERP. And like I said before, you can always search my website to find any of those episodes because all my episodes are uploaded to my website primarily so that you can search them. So that that makes it convenient because it's not always easy to search on iTunes or Google Play or Stitcher. Sometimes I find that it's a little bit easier to just go on my website. So search ERP and you'll find tons of stuff on that. But that's really the best thing. You want to do exposures. You want to get your kids to start fighting back and purposely provoking their OCD and taking small steps, small uncomfortable steps towards their discomfort and starting to learn how to live with that discomfort and that uncertainty. So definitely check out my episodes on ERP. I even have kid YouTube videos on ERP explaining it to kids and what it is. And you can actually search my YouTube channel as well, which I find very helpful. I don't think you can search it on the app. I do believe you have to be on the desktop in order to search, but I could be wrong. So 
But that is a really handy feature because even when people ask me, hey, Natasha, like, do you have a YouTube video on symmetry OCD? I will go to my YouTube channel and I'll go to the search button and I'll type symmetry and then I'll get the link because I have hundreds of YouTube videos. And so I don't know. I mean, I know I did one, but I don't know what the link is. So that is definitely the easiest way to find my resources. Sometimes people get a little overloaded with my resources, you know, which is kind of ironic. They're like, you've done too much. It's just too much to get through. I can't find what I need. You know, damn if you do, damn if you don't. (laughs) It's like, oh, I'm sorry that I provide too many resources, but there are easy ways to find them. You can use search buttons. I have search buttons on all my websites. So on my regular website, there's a search button at the very bottom. My YouTube channel has a search button. Even if you're in my private Facebook group, there is a search button that you can search the group. And even if you're in my private membership community, at atparentingcommunity.com, there is a search button even in there. So use the search buttons. Okay, so the other thing that you can do to get help, if you want help with ERP, I do have an online class. I have an online school actually for tons of things related to anxiety and OCD on how to parent a child with anxiety or OCD. I have classes that are directly for kids. And I do have one called How to Crush Your Child's OCD. And it walks you through step-by-step all the different themes, the main themes that you might run into, which has been a lifesaver for a lot of parents, but a lot of parents email me and be like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad that I learned that. I take you through ERP step-by-step so that you learn how to do this at home. And I've had a lot of families who, even if they have a therapist, which is amazing, they have still taken these classes and have educated themselves because you have to know how to do ERP at home. Even with the parents and families that I work with in my private practice, Ultimately, the goal is to get them to do ERP at home. So it's a good supplement if you are in treatment and you have a therapist. And it's also a good DIY. Like if you can't find a provider or you're not having access to a provider, it's actually a really good way to learn how to do ERP at home. Actually, all the families in my practice do it because it's a good jump start. It saves a lot of time in therapy. So you can check that out on my website, in my other website, I have three websites, for my school, which is atparentingsurvivalschool.com. So if you're enjoying the podcast, please don't forget to hit a star on iTunes or Google Play or Stitcher. That really helps give back to the show. If you have a few extra moments and you want to leave a review, I greatly appreciate that. And to show my appreciation, I try to end the show reading one of them. So I want to thank Jen at Home with a Toddler. Uh, That's what she wrote. Great resource, easy to list. I really enjoy this podcast. I'm a parent with a personal and professional interest in mental health issues, and I found this podcast so helpful. The host was easy to listen to, had great resources, and offered useful ways to learn more. Recommend highly. Thank you for taking the time to write that. I really appreciate it. And if you write a review, maybe I'll read your review next time. So I hope you find the sparkle in everything you do, and I'll talk to you again next Tuesday. Take care. Thank you for listening to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. To get additional support raising a child with anxiety or OCD, visit Natasha's online school of on-demand classes at atparentingsurvivalschool.com.